people are attracted to people of equal attraction. That being said, um, it's still, I think, important to do your best and to look your best, especially because we also know that for men, um, physicality and attractiveness has a lot to do with what turns them on. They're very visual. This week, new research suggests that trophy wives and wealthy husbands help create stronger marriages. Researchers call these couples maximizers. So what does that mean? Why would that create a successful relationship? Dr. Karen Sherman joins us today to provide some insight. Stay tuned. I'm going to keep this short. First, thank you for listening. If you're a regular listener, I would greatly appreciate it if you would leave a review on whatever platform you listen to us on. This will help others discover us. Also, if you like the podcast, I highly recommend visiting our website, hitchedmag.com, which is updated daily with new content and where you will find thousands of articles available anytime. Lastly, I understand that not everything we talk about applies to everyone. However, I am confident that if you go to hitchmag.com and subscribe to our free weekly newsletter, that you will find at least one and probably more pieces of information each week that will help your marriage thrive. I hope you enjoy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is Steve Cooper, editor-in-chief of hitchedmag.com. I am joined once again with the fabulous, the lovely, the brilliant, the original Dr. Karen Sherman. Hi, Karen. Hi, Steve. Um, so Karen, for those tuning in for the first time or you have just forgotten, uh, is a practicing psychologist in relationship and lifestyle issues for 30 years. Karen is the author of Mindfulness in the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life. Karen is also the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. Um, Today, Karen, we're going to talk about a, uh, a new study that came out, or I should say it's research that came out based on two different studies, um, longitudinal studies that lasted three years. And the conclusion was that um, having a trophy, so the, the let me back up. The researchers uh, looked at heterosexual couples, newlyweds, and their conclusion was that having a trophy wife and having a wealthy husband and or um, resulted in higher levels of marital satisfaction. And so the researchers classified these uh, individual spouses as maximizers um, mm -hmm. and I guess I wanted to first get your just like initial take at the results of these uh, quote unquote maximizers. Do you really want my initial take? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You bring it. I think it was shallow. You know, we do know, we do know from research that people tend to, on attractiveness, pick people who are an equal level of attractiveness to them. We do have research about that. So you're not going to find somebody, I mean, if you can hypothetically um, rate 
other people. And let's say 10 is the highest as far as good looking. You're not going to find somebody who is rated at a 10 marrying somebody who is a two or three. Mm -hmm. You're going like sort of water finds its own level. So you're going to find people who are very attractive being attracted to other very attractive people. Um, But to say that they're more satisfied, um, I think that there may be other factors that are um, not causing, but playing into that, and not just because they're married to trophy wives or to um, husbands that are good providers. Mm-hmm. I mean, so I think to put it onto that is just kind of shallow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, because they um, these were self-reported um, mm-hmm. satisfaction. Mm-hmm. Um, the the thing that I think is interesting that the researchers basically broke it down and said that these were maximizers, mac- maximizing their partnering opportunities, getting like the most, the maximum value, quote unquote, uh, that they could. Um, since the researchers only looked at, uh, these couples for three years, yeah. <laughs> I mean, should this even be taken seriously? Yeah. You know, I mean, first of all, calling them maximizers, I, I, I want to come back a little bit before I <laughs> okay. that other question. Yeah. Even to me, that's offensive. Um, because it, what are they judging, um, that they're having maxima maximum satisfaction. Um, and, and now to your point of it's only, they're looking at them for three years, though there is a lot of possible adjustment stress in the first year of marriage, three years is not necessarily where you find a lot of the difficulty. That's why we have the cliche, the seven-year itch. So I don't know if you're really going to get a true um, uh sense of whether there is a conflict or dissatisfaction in the first three years. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm going to play defense for the researchers here really okay. quick, which is they reported higher satisfaction than other couples. So presumably other couples who also were in that newlywed phase were happy. Uh, they just weren't as happy or reported to be as happy as um, these quote-unquote maximizers. Um, but to your point also, I think, you know, what does it mean to be satisfied? Uh, part of that is like, what is it, ego? Or is it comfort level? Um, mm-hmm. Because I think you, you, we, can, we can really play this out. And let's just use, I feel like it's easier if we go down the road of having a, um, a wealthy husband, which you, right. you identified as a good provider, which I think is a great way of right. framing it. Um, so right. if, and, and that's just where I was going to go with it, Steve. You have a very financially successful spouse and you have um, – a lot of ease as far as starting up your marriage where there isn't really a lot of financial difficulty, you're going to be more satisfied. Mm -hmm. You don't have the usual struggles of starting, you know, um, finding a place to live and, you know, getting yourself on your feet and maybe, you know, becoming pregnant and having to, you know, 
have those additional financial problems. So certainly you're going to be more satisfied, so to speak. I don't know what the questions were, what they used right. to measure it, but you'll go. It's life is going to be easier mm-hmm. if you have more money. And on the flip side of that, um, I think when you are talking about objectively attractive people, there are. Mm-hmm. Uh, volumes of studies that show that there's privilege that comes along with that. Yes. Um, yes. Uh, uh, like starting with like making more money <laughs> and it yes. just goes like tr- so many opportunities open up for you be just because of how you looked again, not condoning the fairness of it or anything like that, but that those are just facts. Um, they are the facts. Well, well, let's, let's expand on that a little bit for our listeners there is something called attribution theory. In other words, to what do you attribute or explain behavior? And one of the errors that occurs is that when the pretty people are assessed, we assign them lots of other positive attributes just because they are attractive, which aren't necessarily true. For instance, that they are brighter, that they have more competence, that they um, are funnier. So that's an an error that goes with attribution uh, theory. Mm -hmm. But in fact, to your point, if somebody is attractive, they are going to be seen in a more positive light, which would then imply that there will be things that will be easier for them as well. Mm-hmm. Whenever um, I, I hear people, uh, com- you know, kind of get gruffy about those kind of comparisons about, well, no, people, you know, people should earn it or everybody should be treated equally or that people do, are getting treated equally, um, that there isn't the bias that mm-hmm. exists. I always think um, mm-hmm. a lot of people have heard about, you know, when you drive a red car, you're more likely to get pulled over and get tickets and mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. And I always think... So you'll, you're willing to accept that, but you're not willing to accept that same kind of bias when it applies to people. Like we, we know mm-hmm. it exists elsewhere in the world. Like why mm-hmm. do we not apply it to people? Mm. So um, anyways, I want to move on to uh, – so I, I don't want to suggest that marrying somebody who's wealthy or attractive is um, inherently bad. Um, and it makes – Sense as we've been discussing, that you would be very happy in these early years. But the thing that I immediately thought was, if so if you're a maximizer, wouldn't that also mean that you're more likely to have an affair down the road because you recognize better opportunities um, as time goes on? Uh, money money uh, is, is fleeting and, and looks fade. So if you're a maximizer, wouldn't you look for the better opportunity in, in 10 years? I don't know that I'm going to go along with that. Okay. Um, I somehow managed to get a subspecialty in affairs. In other words, you know, the majority of my uh, private practice is relationships with couples. And the reason I distinguish that is because I also do relationship to yourself. Mm-hmm. But in addition to that, then I seem to have a further specialty with couples where there have been affairs. Mm -hmm. And I would have to say that the majority of those 
is not falling under that category. Okay. Um, affairs happen for lots of reasons, um, but not because they feel like there are other better possibilities out there. Now, I will also, in fairness, say I am not working with a population necessarily who is very wealthy, um, but I don't really – that doesn't resonate for me, Steve. Okay. Um, I, I don't think that it's like, well, there must be something better out there for me, so therefore I'm going to have an affair. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's totally fair. Um, so one thing that I did want to touch on as well is since the fat satisfaction in these relationships is real, uh, as we talked about, this is what, what people reported, can other couples learn from this research and let's just say, put more effort into beefing up their portfolio if it's a possibility and or presenting themselves better? Well, I again, you know, as I said at the beginning, people are attracted to people of equal attraction. That being said, um, it's still, I think, important to do your best and to look your best, especially because we also know that for men, um, physicality and attractiveness has a lot to do with what turns them on. They're very visual, more visual. Um, as and I'm making a generality, mm -hmm. obviously, sure. but um, for for men um, having more of a turn on for them. So, um, you know, if a woman starts to feel like, well, I'm married now and it doesn't really matter much about, you know, how I look and she starts to just sort of, um, becomes un you know, um, unkempt and, um, sloppy and, um, uh, has let herself go, especially after having children she has to know that that is something that's probably going to be a turnoff, you know, to to her spouse. Mm -hmm. So I do think that um, it's important that each of the people in the relationship uh, do things to make themselves to look appealing to one another. Mm -hmm. But I want to say, and and you're not mentioning this, that in the study, they did say that people who didn't were not, quote, maximizers were satisfied in their relationship right. also. Right, right. Okay, so um, it's not that you must have a beautiful wife or a very successful husband in order to feel satisfied in your, in your relationship. Mm -hmm. No, that's a great point. And I also think it's also... Um, it's very old timey in the way they constructed the um, the, the the premise of the study that mm -hmm. the the husband would be the breadwinner and the wife would be the mm -hmm. wife, um, mm -hmm. and not to mention the fact that it's heterosexual couple couples only that were looked at. So I'm also just yeah. like, well, who the hell is this for? Um, right. <laughs> like it seems like this is a study from the '60s, not from 2019. But right, um, right, uh, th whatever. Like that's. Um, I do feel that the more data points, um, the better, right? So whether we can disregard it, it's, you know, you try something and it works and try something and it doesn't work, you still learn something. Um, mm -hmm. um, okay, so with that being said, can you think of better indicators of marital satisfaction that um, that aren't based on just looks or financial solvency? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, one, and, and I don't know that one is really um, separate from the other, but one is having a, a solid friendship because over time uh, other things will fade. But if you have a solid friendship with each other, that's going to um you know, really last. And the other, and this is a key factor that has been found, you know, through various studies is having respect for one another. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, again, is something that's going to really provide the couple with the ability to be accepting, to hear each other's needs, to understand each other. Um, and when that, when there is mutual respect, that is probably the most important variable in having a long-standing, happy, satisfying relationship. Mm-hmm. And uh, just to dig in just a smidge deeper on that, so um, respect, where does that respect come from? Because you can you can respect somebody's work ethic, work ethic that provides, or you could respect the time and effort that somebody takes into making themselves look really great and presentable. Mm-hmm. So um, what do you... What does that when, where does that respect come from? When when I speak about respect, what I mean is accepting that your partner is an individual who is different than you and you are willing to see them as different and yet still accept them with their differences, um, hear out their differences, try to understand their differences, not control them that they should be like you necessarily, uh, compromise at times. And now obviously the other partner is doing this as well. Mm-hmm. Um, not be judgmental. Um, try to, uh, learn to, um, I'm trying not to use the word respect again. Uh, <laughs> try to learn to really appreciate the fact that you've come from different backgrounds, you're going to see the world differently, and that it's not that one is better than the other, mm-hmm. um, but that you can grow and um, create a partnership that is stronger and wealthier, so to speak, um, by really appreciating one another, mm-hmm. differences and all. Mm-hmm. I think that's very well said. Um, I was going to add something to that, but I think you you knocked it out of the park there. Um, with that, do you have anything else that you'd like to add to the conversation today? Um, you know, the, the study was also mentioning like maybe they have a harder time deciding, um, that they take a longer time making decisions about other things. Um Again, Steve, I I really just didn't care for this study at all. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that um, it does make sense not to rush into things because you want to be able to um, assess and learn about a person over a variety of situations so that you really get a sense of who this other person is. that's really going to be a good indicator of uh, who they are for the long run um, and not just let your emotions be the 
uh, part of you that is uh, making the judgments for you because when we respond to our emotions, those tend not to be as long lasting. Mm. That's a great, okay. yeah, that's great. Um, uh, I, I don't actually have anything to add, so I think that's a good place to stop. So, um, thank you so much for your time, Karen. It's always a pleasure. Thank you. And with that, I will remind you once again that you have been listening to Dr. Karen Sherman, who is a practicing psychologist and relationship and lifestyle issues for 30 years. Karen is also the author of Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life. And she is the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. You can get this and more information at her website, drkarensherman.com. That's Karen with a K. And you can get this information on our website as well, hitchedmag.com. That's with an E. And uh, of course, we have our full archive of podcasts, thousands of articles, and much, much more. So hopefully you check that out. And so with that, until next time, take care, everybody. We're on top of the world tonight. We're on top of the world tonight.